podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just 2 bucks on the one 2 3 menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard! It's 2-0! It's Chelsea's championship! And 50 years of waiting have come to an end! Lampard comes out to Essien! Oh my goodness! It's a counter-attack! He's going to drop back! And now Kitty in the middle! Drop again! Stretch it! 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 Drop it in the centre! McCoy just came from the ground in with four right now, that madness. Money that McCoy beat back to his head to get the ball. Stretch it, stretch it. Make sure the money was dropped with this form that came from. It's a stage in the game, it's a stage in the game. What do you mean, man? I don't even know what he's on. Let me sip my tea, can't take me for a month. Man, I don't even know what he's on. Unbelievable! Madass. Well, it's possibly bleak as this. Drop it! Madass. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to Chessie Hour, your regular weekly spot to come and find out about everything SW6, Chelsea Football Club, Romans, Rubles, Ruining Football, Romans, Yacht, the usual stuff. Um, tonight, it's myself, Yassine James. I am joined by Pels. What's I'm going on, my guy? Cool, cool, cool. And Dan Soft, what's happening? What's up, bro? I'm good. Good, good, good. So look, we've uh, we've got a season back, but am I the only one who doesn't feel like it is fully yet? I don't know if it's the lack of preseason, but I don't know, or I don't know if I'm too off in basketball land on courtside frack. But I just don't feel like the season's really here yet. Am I the only one? No, yeah, no, no, I'm with yes. Uh, I'm with. Yeah, there you go, man. Shut your mouth, yeah. Pels. Shut yeah, your mouth. you spoke too soon, but I know like Pels just said that to get on your back. But I feel like usually there's a um, I think usually there's a bigger break, obviously, so the anticipation is more. But also, it just feels like, I don't know, like, maybe because there's no crowd, maybe there wasn't enough build-up, but it just feels like we've had pre- like a pre-season game. It does, you it know is- what? It's not the, yeah, it's not the crowds, because obviously, post-lockdown, it was still, cool, for me anyway, right? And I, I kind of adjusted to that now, especially I'm watching all sorts of sport about crowds. But mm. I feel like pre-season is is an exciting time in itself mm-hmm. in that you have your first game and everyone watches it squinting on the fifth stand-up or whatever else. And you have the transfers that sort of rumble on rather than just getting too early and then one late and then uh, yeah, they're training and they're playing. And then you have the, oh, we'll play. Like last year, we were in Dublin for two games. Mm-hmm. They were using a diamond. That was like, whoa, maybe we could see this. And then we started playing some other teams and you start seeing who's favoured, who's not, who's looking sharp, who's, who's bringing something new to the table. Whereas this year, it's just right, right and away, three points. Uh, oh, rah. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, but in saying that, it is back and I'm sure it will rumble on and, and as things get, get up and going, then, then that, that feeling will come back. Um, 3-1 win for us against Brighton, which for all the meltdown on Twitter, Starting your season with uh, with three points is a fantastic way to go. Um, Brighton can sometimes be a bit of a banana skin and not a terrible side. And the reaction 
suggested that we have lost the game. But at the same time, without that preseason, as we've said, weird little situation. We didn't look like we were firing on all cylinders. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I guess it. Yeah, so I'll quickly go first. But yeah, I guess it would be fair to say maybe it's a good point you mentioned in terms of preseason is more about okay, how are we playing rather than the results. So it, it was kind of weird that we did win 3 0, but for all intents and purposes, it felt the mood kind of felt like a loss. But I think it was just that expectation was so high with so many different players and, and Havertz costing so much money and Werner and seeing them play and and, and it being against Brighton too. And I saw people saying that we should wash them. I saw that it should be like three goals difference. And, and even though it was three goals. I get that, but it's like, come on, bro. It's, it's the Premier League. It's the Premier and, League. and for all of our signings, no Ben Chilwell, no Thiago Silva, who hadn't even trained by the point the game had kicked off. No uh, Hakim Ziyech. Like... Do you know what I mean? It's, it, it wasn't like we were rolling in like 2003. I think that's where the Sky Machine really played into it. Where oh, Roman back, but but really and truly, um, it's a season like no other. Um, and and you're rolling into it without the prep, without the training time. Probably no managers ever had a year like this, um, and and that showed in the game. Pels, what was your what was your takeaways um, from the fixture? Yeah, it's a weird one because. Um... I feel like the the first game of the season for a lot of people was like a is almost like an early stamp or an early statement um of, of what's gonna happen. And I just feel like even though we got the three points, we didn't really make much of a statement in in kind of the way that I don't know, like a city would on the first day, I guess. Um, you know, top, I, I say that and then they'll go and kind of lose their first game. But um yeah, I I, I think that's that's one thing that probably is what has the fan base a little bit eerie um, and just un- uneasy, just the, the fact that there were, you know, some stars playing and, and maybe they didn't play to the best of their ability. Um, it, it, it did feel like Brighton kind of outplayed us at points. For large, for large parts of the game, even, I just think they took care of the ball a lot better. Um, for us, it wasn't, it wasn't a good performance in possession. And there were, there were those kind of like memeable moments or out-of-context Chelsea moments. Um, I think they're called now, um, with like Havertz kicking the ball out of play and Ruben's kind of misfiring compilation and all that sort of but stuff. This, but do you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop you on memeable moments because I think you make a really good point there. And I don't know if it's me just like getting old and cranky. It might well be, but I feel like things have gone so silly with stuff like that. Yeah, okay, in possession we did not look great. Um, but as I, shameless plug, uh, saw and pointed out in the Patreon article that I put up, we we had a nice press going, we had a nice structure going. In possession we looked a mess, I hear that. But there were t- the only time I think Brighton really looked threatening was when they were switching out to Lamptey, doubling up with Lamptey, and Alonso is a disaster and we know that. I actually think we defended really, really well. It was a way we've def- we haven't defended before. Um, high up the pitch, we still didn't look great when it was deeper. But listen, those issues aren't going to go away overnight. That's a personnel thing. Um, Kepa still flapping at long shots. Cool. Look, we know that. But I think the press was really good. We looked organised. We looked like we did have a plan, right, in terms of our possession. Now, all that I've seen afterwards, I came away from that game saying, look, not great. Have a shit shit the bed. But they've clearly worked on a nice little press. I think we looked good in it. I think it was organised. We've won 3-1 away from home on the opening day of the season. Okay, not convincingly. I open up this app and all I see is what you've just said. Look at Havertz's pass. He's fucking skied it. Um, Ruben is a disaster. Hudson-Odoi needs to leave. Um... Oh, Werner. Werner didn't get bag. We thought Werner was going to bag. Um, what else was it? There was bro, the outrage of all of these things. Um, oh, Havertz. Havertz is out of position. Like Everything that someone could have moaned about, people were moaning about. And I was just thinking to myself, maybe as we've been without it for too long after after the lockdown period, tease, uh, the restart teased us a little bit. But, bruv. If you told me looked solid, 
defending high at the pitch, 3-1 win away from home, I'd be content. What is this, like, over-the-top reaction that we're seeing? I, just, to? I think it's, it's got a lot to do with that kind of Sky Sports montage of, you know, 04 um, to now and, and the kind of feeling that, of expectation that is kind of um, following the team now. I went, like, throughout the kind of um, transfer window or makeshift transfer window, rather. All we saw were like these expected lineups, rejigged. Um, are we going to play like this? Are we going to play like this? And and I guess people, when they're when they're integrating the players and and putting those teams together, I don't think they're recognizing you know the adjustment period, the the impact that needing to coach and the structure changes and all of those kind of things that just the variables that that affect team performance. I don't think they were really being accounted for. I just feel like it was a little bit of kind of FIFA expectation in terms of, yeah, we're going to put the team together and then everything's just going to click. Uh, so in that respect, I do feel like you're right. Like there was a little bit of an over, no, not a little bit. There was a big overreaction. Uh, we did get the, we did get a win, but at the same time, it's, I think it's okay to recognize that in possession, we didn't look good. And, and to be honest, one reason why I'm, I'm almost sympathetic um, to, to fans that think in that way is because we were told that a lot of the reason why we were stale last year or, you know, we weren't able to create last year was down to the lack of quality. And now it's like you put kind of two quality players on the pitch in Werner and Havertz and Attack in particular uh, and, and you don't really see the kind of... I, I, I hear that to a point, but if, if we're talking creation, Werner's yeah. not that guy. Yeah, that's the last man who's touching the ball in the move, and Havertz is what had four four days training, and and he, and you know he was he was bad, and we'll get on to that. But yeah, I just again like look, I think I've been out there written it so I can get clowned on in in six weeks if I'm wrong. But I do maintain that a lot of the problems in possession were trying this new really expansive four two three one with. Ruben just expected to do a lot of work without anyone really around him to combine the same with Mason Mount who had no overlap at all from either foot. It was it was weird. It was a weird shape. I think they clearly prioritized the press when thinking of that shape. Um and there was issues in terms of of link up play. But but yeah, like the personnel's the same as last year in a in an even more um stretched out sort of type of play so it's just in the grand scheme of things I'm not too concerned with it um but in saying that listen with that caveat I think there are things to discuss that do need to improve especially with Liverpool on the horizon we'll get to that by the end of the pod but um Dan what what were your kind of takeaways that that you saw that are not concerning but you're like oh hope that's better in in two three weeks um, to answer that question, um, you talked about the press. For me, I agree. I think the press kind of worked. We scored with the press, so it it does seem like he's trying to play a game where we are actually playing higher up the pitch. We press almost with a front four. With It seems like Ruben was playing alongside Werner, uh, out of possession, pressing to help kind of Werner press. And sometimes we saw Werner actually complain to the rest of them, saying, listen, like he's a leader of the press. So that was good, um, but yeah, well, it, that, is, that is like that present shape is like a classic Leipzig thing. Yeah, so it might have even been if we're gonna go down the caricature Lampard route of go and have some fun lads in possession. It was probably Werner. Can you sort the press out out of possession? Yeah, so so like with that as well, and like the goal, like it seemed like I know um, Joe's kind of complained about Jorginho kind of jumping up, um, but it did seem like Kante and Jorginho when they could. They tried to close the back, be more compact. So when the front four pressed, they went too far behind and they got everybody up. And so that was good. But obviously that's against Brighton. And so against a team like Liverpool that's pacing behind, it'll be interesting to see if we keep that shape. Um, so that, that might be a concern against Liverpool in terms of, okay, cool, we're pressing higher. And against maybe like Lamptey did cause us issues. But yeah, it's like, okay, cool. This is something to watch over the season. How, are we going to stick to it? Do we have plans for it? I know that. One of the reasons why he'd probably want like a rice on the way linked is that okay, cool. If we're going to commit to pressing high, then we need the sort of defensive midfielders that have pace that can you know kind of win the ball. And obviously, Kante is one of those, and maybe he wants another one. But I think um, 
in terms of the overreaction on social media, I think it's it's a bit normal. If we take if we remember last season we lost to United, I know that was an actual loss, um, but it can kind of suck the wind out of yourselves when and I know that we won, but in terms of performance wise, I think it's it's understandable when okay, cool. Um Ruben Loftus cheek didn't have a good game. Um so Again, it's like, okay, with Ruben, a lot of us care about him in terms of being a Chelsea player in the future and to see another game where it hasn't quite worked out. So we saw him on the left last towards the back end of last season after lockdown. That didn't pan out. We saw him in number 10. And even though these are just one games, it's almost like he's only getting one opportunity in that each position and then people are kind of writing him off. And so if we're going to be playing this formation, it's like, okay, cool. Where does Ruben fit? So there's the Ruben question that might make fans uneasy. There's also the fact that Havertz, obviously, um, he played on the right. <laughs> There's a bit of the rivals are watching, like Pills was, say, Pills was saying, memeable moments. But there's also that uneasiness in terms of, okay, he might not take like to the Premier League like a duck to water. And therefore, it might be a bit more issue in terms of Chelsea. Because obviously, if you look at the Premier League now, Liverpool, Man City, they're achieving a high amount of points. So it's almost like you kind of have to hit the ground running. But from watching that performance, yes, we won. But can you go into the next game confident? I know it's Liverpool, but in even the other game, if, it, if it's against Brighton and we weren't that convincing, then I think one of the, it, the things is, is just that, OK, cool. Before this Brighton game, I came into the game confident. But now it's almost like back down to earth. Um, it's the Premier League, as you said earlier. But I do actually think there were great performances, even though there were some dog shit performances I think there were great performances from like the likes of Kante um, who looked back to his best maybe the people that were saying Kante plays best in the pivot were right because I think that he was winning balls everywhere he, like he was clamping I think Zuma he, was, he wasn't in the, he wasn't he wasn't a pivot yes you mean like in the two right a double that's what I mean double pivot yeah uh, okay double pivot. okay yeah, yeah. I mean, double pivot yeah so like uh, Kante was imperious I think Zuma was imperious. I think that um, Reese James had a good game. I know that he um, scored that goal, but I think apart from that, he was like a yeah, lot more I've seen him. Yeah, so like I think there was some. Really actually, actually, just you make, you make a good point there. I don't think enough was actually because if either of them had made anything approaching a mistake, it would have been all over everything. Considering the season we've just had. Now I know Trossard and Mopai are not the hugest threats in Aaron Connolly coming on later. But Zuma and Christensen were excellent. The press forced Brighton along a lot. Zuma and Christensen didn't miss a step. There was absolutely nothing that actually got past them. The only threats that we had were from distance, a few little one-twos from March, and then Lamptey just having his way with Alonso. So let's just focus on that for a sec. After the fucking season we've just had, to have a relatively assured centre-back performance was was a reassuring thing. And we've now seen Thiago Silva come in, start training with the group. Yeah. Zoom has already talked publicly about how excited he is to learn off of him. And, so and, so that's, that's, that's a positive. And um, we had corners as well, and we looked good from corners too. I don't know if this is down to Anthony Barry. Like, he's the man of the few words at this point. He's the mystery man. But even set pieces, we were winning them. And don't forget, this is a Brighton team that are actually good. That's one of the areas they're good at. So, like, that was encouraging. That was really encouraging. Something crazy happened in this game. And I had to rewind it to see if I'd actually seen what I thought I saw. Kepa came out for a corner. Now, he flapped at it and it was shit. But he came off his line. That is the Mendy factor there, which, again, we will touch on. We talked on uh, good performances. Look, it would be remiss to gloss over the Havertz factor, um, duck to water, it was not, as has been pointed out. And there were times that, yeah, like, especially when he had sort of the bustle of, of, of people around him and, and everything like that, he did look um, overawed, uh, a step off um, the pace of the game. Obviously, there was that memeable shot, cross, pass, whatever it was in his own half. It was awful. Um, and yeah, he really struggled to get into it. Now, I, I'm not saying that we should concern ourselves with his career at Chelsea. I think he's going to go on to be a very good player. Obviously, we shouldn't dampen our assignment too much. How much of this, Dan, is down to the fact that he was apparently played out of position? 
Yeah, I, I, I think that's a bit wild to even say that he's played out of position when that was his like that was his default position for a long time at Bayer Leverkusen. So like he's played in literally a four two three one on the right for too long for you to say he's been out of position. I know that um Ziek probably has that right hand side and so for us and like there was a press conference today with Havertz and he said that his best position is ten. Um, so that kind of gives us a little look into the behind the curtain to see that actually he's probably going to be a 10 for us. However, I think it's ludicrous to suggest that he didn't play well because he played a position that he's played so much. So like, if you go to who scored, I haven't checked myself, but I'm sure it's in, in the high like, proportions. He's played there so much that it's a bit ridiculous. If he was on the left, I would have been like, you know what? I don't yeah. think I've actually seen you on the left too much. But like, yeah, what, 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 what do you put it down to? Do you just put it down to training time? Do you put it down to just you know the what? occasion? Of it? I don't think it was the occasion. I don't think it was overawed. I, I, I just think that um, there is a little bit in terms of, yeah, he's new. But I think with, I think with Loftus-Cheek and Havertz, it's both, I think they're both similar players. And like both of them... The nutmegs that you saw Ruben Loftus-Cheek um, try, a lot of the times when he's sharp and when he's on his games, they come off. And it's with Havertz too. Like A lot of the time, they kind of bring the pace to their own game. Like They slow things down. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. And it just goes, and when it happens and it executes nicely, it looks beautiful. But I think both of them, they didn't have the sharpness. And so a lot of the things they tried was off. I think the main thing with Havertz is that um, he has played a bit of everywhere. So, like, a lot of people know that he's actually played, like, the number six role. You know, he's played all over midfield. And the thing with Havertz is if Lampard's telling him track back, he's going to track back. However, if you look at um, him at Bayer Leverkusen, one of the reasons why he was actually playing on the right is because they didn't really want him in a midfield position because they wanted him to stay up to exploit spaces, um, space on the counter-attack. And I think that what we found in the Brighton game is that he was doing his job in terms of tracking back and that took any attacking of potential away from him because he, like, if you saw a heat map, he was right next to Reese James down in the right back position. And yeah, so that, that kind of took away from it. But yeah, also it's just like new team. It's, it's the beginning of the season. There's no preseason. He's not sharp. Ruben's not sharp. So I think a lot of it, especially with our creative players was down to that. Um, yeah. Pels, how much of a disgrace, betrayal, um, and just absolute disaster was it that Callum Hudson-Odoi didn't start this game? Because I just feel like we'd be letting some cast members down if we didn't bring this up. Um, yeah, I just feel like the response to him not starting in, in our camp was a dramatic, um, was just or a massive overreaction, sorry. Um, I, I can understand it. I can understand why. Like, if I think understanding the rationale and the logic behind him not playing um, is important, but agreeing with it isn't important. You can have, obviously have your own views on whether or not um, he should have, he should have played. I thought um, it would be a game for him on paper. Like you know, hours before the game, I would have, I I wasn't shocked that he wasn't playing because I don't think it's a nailed on star at all. Um, but certainly, with the way we like to play, typically I would have I would have wanted a, a kind of more inside man um, in Havertz on one side with with kind of Callum on the other side holding the whip, whether that be Callum or Pulisic or whoever. I mean, to be honest, they do both cut inside anyway. But just more um, a more natural winger and um, something that kind of mount I don't think gives you um, naturally. That being said. It was quite evident to me early on when I when I remembered who Tariq Lamptey was and, and what he can do and what he's capable of that um, playing Mount there would have been um, would have probably been just to kind of nullify uh, what Tariq is capable of. It, he didn't do that because um, you know he just get out a fantastic game. But in terms of the kind of willingness to track back 
and the willingness to, to almost just do your defensive responsibilities. I think most people, if you ask them, who do you reckon is like more likely to track back, they'd probably say Mason. So it makes sense when Mason started, if that was the rationale yeah. behind it. And that's, and that's kind of what I think yeah. it was. Um, it's the first game of the season. And, and <laughs> just... I, I, I just honestly, like, I get obviously mad, like, excited, and I've got a mad attachment to kind of that group of England stars. And I think Callum you is... You are the Academy Elerec. Yeah, the, the aficionado. Um, so, yeah, I, I believe, like, a lot in, in Callum Stanton, and I think he's, he's a massive, massive player, and he will be for us. Um, that being said, I can understand why he didn't start the first game of the season. Um, away game, you've got to do... When, when we think about the kind of resilience that we show, if you get a... I'm not saying that other, other players aren't capable of making errors, but I think a Callum not-tracking-back error gets highlighted um, a lot more than somebody else. And I just don't think maybe that you need to put him in that predicament. When he comes on, he comes on on the right for Havertz. He's the more kind of attacking attacking winger in, or not winger per se, but the, with someone with a little bit less, I feel like, defensive um, responsibility in the team or different defensive responsibilities in that he's not tracking through Lampy, so it's okay. Um, and that, that was a subject that was made as opposed to Mount. Um, with regards to actual players that played in those kind of attacking roles, I thought they were all, well, bar Werner anyway, I thought they were all pretty bad, to be fair, in possession. They um, were. And, and, and I think that what the, the point that you made earlier about Ruben not having anyone to connect with, uh, it's, it's, a lot, it's a lot more common these days with the kind of 4 2 3 one trade, where sometimes this feels like a front four in isolation and then the kind of back six. Mm. Um, and, and a lot of teams... If, if you have someone kind of bombing on from midfield, you've got a gaping hole and we, and we don't manage counter-attacks very well because our, how, we, how we defend in transition or how we react to losing the ball, generally speaking, last season anyway, wasn't, wasn't the best. So I don't know if you can almost risk having a more forward-thinking midfielder in an away game um, of that nature, especially where it's like tense and you want to get the three points and start off well. Um, so... For me, it was it was a it was a bad game from the kind of all three of them, but I do think that part of that was was impacted by the by the this kind of way we set up and, and just also it was just one of them games where just everyone just looked a little bit rusty, a little bit you know just off it, and it kind of reminded me of when the first when the Bundesliga first came back after Project Restart. I think it was like Dortmund Schalke, and the the quality was just awful. It just felt like the players were going to need a little bit of time to get back up to speed. So that's kind of what I'm putting it down to. I don't think kind of not starting is a big deal. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, and if it is, and if it's, if it's a, common, like a common thing in, in January, you know, we, we, the situation's revisited, I imagine. Uh, for me, definitely. For me, like, reacting to the starting lineup, I was just happy to see Loftus-Cheek because it's good to see, like, towards the back end of last season, it was like, okay, cool. He started the first game post-lockdown and then it was almost like, actually... Um, wait till next season. Let's put that on ice. Yeah, let's, let's put, put it on ice. ice. Let's put it on ice. And so, like, my my next question then was, okay, cool, when is he going to get reintroduced this season? Because I really didn't expect him to start. So, like, and, and beyond that, I've been saying for a while, I don't expect Hudson to start. So, like, there was no reaction from me from the lineup. I didn't even think, oh, I, I wanted him in there. I was just, like, really intrigued to see, um, like I always am with Lampard when he throws up something new, how they play. But um, with the Hudson thing, again, I just get, you know, people have stocks in certain players, so they get irate when they're not playing. But with Hudson, from his point of view, it is definitely a knock. Um, it is definitely something to worry about if I'm Hudson Adoy. It is, like, if I'm Hudson Adoy, I'm definitely onto my agent saying, try to get me a low move, just because, yeah, it is one game, but... Um, thinking about just the general context of the back end last season and this season and the fact that more players are coming in and the fact that we, like you mentioned earlier, there are, there are okay, two players did start, two new players did start, but Ziyech was out and then Pulisic, who's definitely going to be coming back in, um, he was out too. And so like in this position with so many um, players out where you'd think, okay, cool, I should definitely start. Maybe he thought that, but yeah, so Again, this is going to be a knock to his ego. It's going to make him almost think that, okay, 
if he has been trying hard, that it's not a meritocracy that he's fighting a losing battle. So I can understand from his point of view, and obviously like news stories came out after about Bayern Munich. I can completely understand him trying to get out because, like I said, uh, when we bought Pulisic, one of the reasons why I was kind of against it is because I think, especially with younger wingers, I know that some people might feel differently, but I feel like it's important to have your career in your own hands. And I think the way you do that is by getting on the pitch regularly because you're controlling your own narrative. Whereas if you don't get regular football, then people can make you look worse than you actually are. So like someone like Salah, who's one of the best players in Premier League now, if you look at his stats, it's crazy. When he's, when he's in the Premier League under Chelsea, when he's not playing, he's not controlling his narrative, he's not playing regularly. No one's going no to think he's going to be that good. And I know that people look at reflection saying, oh, at that point he wasn't good. But how do you know when he really get the, get the chance to kind of show what he's like? And so like with Hudson-Odoi, um, I'm 100% in the camp that if I was him, I'd try to get somewhere, even if it's on loan, where I can control my narrative. But from Chelsea's perspective, Lampard's got to do what's best, what he thinks is best for Chelsea. The Lamptey um, threat, look, he's got options. If he believes in Hudson a bit more, he can play Havertz behind Werner, he can play Hudson-Odoi, and he can play Mount. Do you know what I mean? So he's got options. He decided to play Loftus-Cheek and then Havertz-Wide. And that's another thing that people don't consider when they're saying, Oh, Hudson-Odoi is up, only up against Pulisic and he's only up against Ziyech. No, he's not because you can see with the versatility of that, that kind of three behind the striker, there's so many different kind of combinations that can leave Hudson-Odoi out even when the, the wingers are out. Do you know what I mean? So the, the three that Pels was talking about, um, obviously we, we've had it with Mata, um, Hazard and Oscar and I saw before the season a lot of people putting that picture up against like our three, which would be Ziyech, Pulisic and Havertz. And the three that we saw was Mount, Loftus and Havertz. And I know um, after the game, I watched Lampard talk about it. And he literally said, RLC can play the number 10 position. So I think that Havertz being the default number 10, I think that the way that Lampard's come into the season, at least, he sees Loftus-Cheek as that's the, the, the kind of position he's fighting for. So... Yeah, for me, I was just more excited to see how Loftus-Cheek does in that 10 position because if it comes to the point where we've tried him there a few times and it doesn't work out, then it becomes smaller and smaller. And we all know that Loftus-Cheek, so far, he's performed best in the LCM position in the 4-3-3. But the, just the, the way I saw Lampard talk about um, the formation that we played against Brighton, which was the 4-2-3-1 slash, I call it a bit 4-4-2 because loftus out of position at least, was playing next to Werner. He doubled down on it saying, listen, it's a new formation that we're going, going to go with. So, of course, we didn't look fluid, but we're going to continue to work on it. So there was a commitment to play in this, this style. And, and if that's going to happen, it, it might be an awkward fit for Loftus to kind of get used to if he can't play number 10 or, or the pivot. With that, um, what you said earlier about um, Callum controlling his narrative, I think it's massively important, especially when you consider... Um, a lot of what was happening to like Marcus Rashford and Martial at a time, um, where they were sharing minutes, and when one wasn't playing more often than not, or when you know Lukaku was displacing both of them up top, mm-hmm. it was very easy for people to kind of suggest that they weren't good enough to play or suggest that they weren't ready. Um, and immediately, almost immediately, you know, when um, all these come in and, and things have changed in that, in that regard. All of a sudden, they're like good players again, and it just mm. it just came because they were playing, yeah. um, not because anything could happen dramatically over over the course of a week to when they play Cardiff and or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's important to bear in mind, and, and I guess there is there will always be that um, fine balance of doing what is best for the team, and and what is best for the team also might include Hudson Odoi at times, but ultimately what is best for his career is to play thirty eight games as frequently as he can so that he can get better. Um, and I just, I think within the team context now, I know that that's going to be a little bit more difficult, which is probably why I'm a, I'm a little bit easier when I realise that he's not going to be in the squad. But I guess for him, like what you're saying, in terms of getting a loan and getting a move, um, that should probably be something that's, that's high on his priority list. I just think that the, the likelihood of things like a permanent move, I know you, you didn't allude to anything like that, but a permanent move is just so unlikely because he's not seen something to into the um, kind of contract well yeah so well I mean yeah we talk about people sort of who can can play 
in positions that Hudson Odoi would compete with. Maybe not because Lampard seems to have settled on him as, as a nine, but the guy who did a lot of his good work in the wide channels, especially on the left last, uh, not last night, but Monday night was, was Timo Werner. So there is a lot of talk about how we can improve and this, that and the other and, and who didn't play great after this game. But there was some promise from Werner. Um, I, again, I, I think, <laughs> maybe I just think everyone's overreacting, but I think some people were saying he was class. I think he was okay. I think he was good. Um, I think you saw a lot of him if that makes sense. I thought you saw a lot of the good. I thought you saw some of the bad. I thought you saw him do a lot of different things. Um, they used to say that there's a, uh, a temptation when you have a big man up top to just lump it, right? Like even good teams, sometimes they see a, a Carroll or a Crouch back in the day and they just be like, fuck it, I'll hit that down there. It almost felt like there was times where it's like, Werner will catch that. Werner will catch that. Um just because he is such a threat in behind. He's so dynamic. He's so quick. But I can see those quotes um, that Nagelsmann said about about him and his pace and his positioning. He got two quite early offsides and he really gains momentum as he goes. Um, so again, we talk about this Ruben being up there. It would not surprise me at all to see a Tammy or a Giroud partner Werner in some games. I really, really wouldn't. I think he is going to be really effective coming from deep. Um, but, yeah, that's that's enough from me. What what were both your takes on Vernon? Obviously, didn't get on the score sheet. was razor sharp for the penalty win. But but what were your initial takeaways from uh, from Vernon? There was, like, one moment um, where they applauded him for, um, <laughs> for shooting from, like, the left angle. And I really think he was crossing it. But, it, like, it just went to the near post and the keeper, like, meant to not save. Uh, and that bugged me because I just don't want us. I don't want us to <laughs> to just kind of project him to be like this insane. Okay, I'm. A, I'm. Do you know what it is? I was about to sound like a hater. I was literally. Like you know I was literally just about to stop you and be like, yeah. I thought we were. No, gonna I, need to, I need to just. I need I to rework it. I need to rework it because I don't want to sound like a hater. Brand for pills, bro. This like, is fucking hell, bro. I, I even brought this guy up to talk positive and you want to talk to me about this. Yo, let him work. Let him do his thing, man. No, there's, no, there's, no, work. there's no work. I caught myself. Yeah. I'm not going to let the devil use me. Um, instead, what I'm going to say is I think he played well. Um, yeah, that's I just don't that's think... Cheers. We'll end it there just in case you fall into any bad <laughs> habits. Uh, <laughs> I um, think he played no, well. Checking. Go on, go on. No, no, I, I do think he played well, but uh, and I thought I thought he was shot. Like, I thought he was by far the brightest attacking player. Um, but I did, I did also feel like I'm not like it wasn't amazing. It wasn't an amazing kind of night performance. I'd love, I there are things about him that I really like um, that I probably shouldn't like. So the the, the fact that he drops off so much mm. um, and that he drifts so much is like something that I kind of, I quite value in a player. I, I like when players are kind of able to pop up in different areas and and almost make things happen a, a little bit further away. Um, and because he's so quick, he can kind of find himself in a position he's supposed to be in. I think for build-up sometimes, though, it feels that we lack a focal point without him, which is obviously why I've seen a lot of lineups um, of him almost next to Schick or off Paulson yeah. in a kind of free or in a yeah, team. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think and this, this you, you, you brought up a point here just that I, I want to address because uh, Meads absolutely stood, jumped and fucking danced on my neck for suggesting um, that uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi was, uh, hadn't just defined what sort of a winger he was going to be. But it made me think, I brought that up because of Werner and, and the need to keep a target man because I think that is Lampard's bailout a lot of the time here, up to Tammy here, up to Oli. Um, and with Werner moving around, like you've just said, that's all well and good if you have the players to take advantage of the spaces left. And I don't know if we really have those players in the wide areas. Ziet can do it, but you want him on the ball progressing it half the time as well. So he's not a Manero Salah. Uh, Hudson Adoy at first team level has seemed more of a facilitator than a finisher. Sorry, Meads. I'm sorry, but he, he has. Um, and Pulisic, good instincts around the box, but again, he likes to come and drift and get in play. 
and then yeah, so I I, I get I think, you in a way. Like I do we, think we, there's there's scope for someone like Havertz to make those kind of runs. And yeah, I, I know, potentially that's a, lot, a good shout. Actually, I think he he naturally, um, and and Dan made a, a really good point the other day about um, the fact that ZX seems to be more of like the creative playmaker, but Havertz does come and and now now that I've seen. Seen it, seen it from that perspective, I do see more of the kind of nine Havertz at Leverkusen in terms of running in behind um, and and coolly slotting to finish and almost being in acres of space, partly because of the flipping crazy back lines in that league. But also the timing of his movement is really good. He does attack space really well. Um, so perhaps it's like they kind of dovetail and, and yeah. at times it's, it's yeah. Werner popping up. Yeah, I mean, that's one of my and favorite. And it's Havertz in behind. That's one of my favourite ideas that could be potential for this year um, and I'm going to argue against myself in a way in that to be fair in Ajax's legendary Champions League run that was yeah. robbed by Spurs Ziyech was actually playing with Tadic up top so he was taking those areas I guess my point is that for Werner to be really effective in doing that I really hope that the team is structured and certain players take advantage of those spaces and I think that will really uh, amplify his value to us or make him look a little bit lost. What are your takes on that, Dan? So, Werner, um, I think earlier on, on you said that he's not the most creative, but actually, um, he does kind of create a lot. And he does, on that left flank, he likes to kind of run down it, drive down it, and put the ball in. And I think he might have done it against Brighton. But then, obviously, like, if he's running down to pull it in, who's the poacher there? So, this idea that he should like he can play against Giroud, I'm I'm a hundred like with sorry with Giroud, I'm hundred percent for it. However, I think yesterday one of the reasons why Loftus Cheek was probably preferred, um, or and Loftus Cheek and Havertz are probably penciled in that ten is because Havertz, um, if you watch it for Bear Leverkusen, a lot of the time when a goalkeeper would kick it out, he would be the actually actually be the player contesting for the header. So understand that Lampard obviously played. Um, a lot of his career with Drogba and Czech used to kind of lump the ball up and then Drogba would contest for it. We all remember like that was a feature of Drogba, his game. Um, actually, in the Brighton game, I saw actually like um, the ball would come up and then Loftus-Cheek would kind of contest for it. And obviously, Werner would be kind of buzzing around him for the knockdown. It didn't completely work, but I saw enough to see that actually that's one of the ways he's going to offset having like a small forward. Um, Pels is completely right in terms of Havertz attacks the space in behind so, yeah, Havertz and Werner, that seems to be the plan. Um, but, yeah, apart from that, Werner, yeah, he kind of, I love it. I love the fact that he doesn't just stay up front. I thought he was fantastic. Um, I thought that he was great in terms of leading the press. I thought that he was everywhere. But like Pell said, the fact that he was everywhere didn't stop him because he got the burners to get up when he needed to get up. So, at that time when Loftus-Cheek was driving forward, Werner was burning to get into a good position. And so, like, we saw with Loftus-Cheek had the opportunity to put in one-on-one. We saw with Barkley, he had the opportunity to put in one-on-one. And so, I was just, I'm was i so impressed because he gets through so much work. But even towards the end of the game, he's still got the burners to try to, to uh, make that opportunity to kind of get on the end of passes. I think... Um, what, what, yeah, sorry. I was just going to quickly say as well, another thing that I like about him is that he pops off shots. I think that is so underrated. I know that you, t- you talked about him short, shooting from an awkward position, but I've had... We've had so many strikers where it's almost like you haven't even got a shot off. And I'm not going to worry about with Werner. I feel like he'll always kind of get shots off too. So, like, in general, I like the fact that he's mobile. He gets a bit everywhere. He's creative too. And he pops off shots. Yeah, I guess my point about the kind of the thing in the left channel was that I just didn't think it was a shot. I thought it was a poor cross. Yeah. Um, but um, in terms of, like, the drifting is... The reason why I like it is because I like it in a player, like I said, but... Because I don't think the structure is there, I almost would prefer if he played a little bit like Germany Werner, if he was going to do the low nine thing, basically. Um, I think that probably better suits. What is Germany Werner? So Germany Werner's like, seems a little bit more, uh, the best way I could, could um, put it is like, Gabby Jesus as a nine under, under Pep. Basically, when you're kind of quite restricted in into like the central areas of the pitch, I feel like Gabi Jesus is a lot more expressive and probably could do a lot more with his movement. Um, but because he plays in this like rigid system where he needs to kind of be in the box to to finish and tap in, um, 
he's a lot less able to kind of have that free freedom of movement. I think Werner has the freedom of movement and he can buzz about and obviously, like you said, he can get in behind and whatnot. Um, but because I don't feel like in that game in particular anyway, so perhaps if, if it's not Havertz and Werner dovetailing or there isn't a focal point, let's say Mount is the number 10 in a game, which is very possible, or Buckley's the number 10, um, I'd prefer Werner to, to just stay a little bit more central, to stay a little bit higher um, and, and essentially only drift into those spaces a little bit, almost like a, oh, I hate to say it, but like almost like a Jamie Vardy. That would kind of be my my usage of him. If if Timo Werner scores the same rate of goals as Jamie Vardy in the last three years, you will not be saying, uh, "I hate to say it." I will tell you that now. Yeah, no, it's just like again, it's just about like my preference of striker and the lack of individualism. It's not your preference; it's your prejudice. Like, you 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 just you're you're such a sucker for sauce, bro. Sometimes just be just be I'm pragmatic, not, bro. It's I'm not it's not always. I like, just like a chop. I like just one thing. It's not That's like it. everything. It don't have to be a chin stroker. You get me? Just like enjoy no. the fact I'm that he's going to put the ball in the net. It's cool. Yeah, no, I, no, I will. But I just also want a little bit of a shimmy. That's it. Like a, well, he, maybe you'll learn a shimmy because he does seem to just want to beat players with uh, with no <laughs> no move whatsoever. Yeah, um, he's got no, no handles. He's just literally... It, it, is, it, is, it is a weird one. It is a weird one. Um, I mean, on, on Werner, he... Um, yeah, he, he said, I think he quoted saying he's, he's really happy with his decision. I think he does look quite buzzing to be part of the team. I feel like it's a really good move for him. I just can only hope that he finds the same success as he has in Germany. I'm interested to see what happens when we do play against deep blocks with him, but that is a tale for another time. Before we get on to Liverpool um, and, and our next fixture, uh, the news is apparently, or has been happening for a little while, that um, Eduard Mendy will be finalised very, very soon, the Ren goalkeeper. And as if we needed any reminder as to how key this signing is to our successes moving forward, Kepa Keppard. Um, and it's, it's, it was annoying as well because he actually pulled off a save. He came out for a corner and he pulled off a save that although it was an easy save, he like emphatically pulled it off and he really dove into it, strong hands, palmed away, and then he just did the same shit of a bouncing long-distance shot that crawled under him. Um, I don't know much about Mendy. I don't watch Ligon. I think, Dan, you watch more of it than, than most of us, to be fair. Uh, the fact that he's tall enough to actually catch something is very reassuring. The bar is on the floor. The standards are so low. If he can come in and be competent, what does that do to our season? Yeah, I mean, just looking at the stats, it's been said time and time again, um, I don't know whether it's just a freak of nature that um, it seems like we've conceded the least shots on goal, but a lot of them seem to go in, or it's just that Kepa is is whack. But and and again with long shots, it's like they just. I don't know if you've seen the um, the Liverpool Instagram or it was a Liverpool Twitter where Liverpool have um, Henderson and Trent, and the comment is uh, who's ready for a worldie against Chelsea or something along those lines. Anyway. But, um, yeah, I just feel like 100%, if you look at Chelsea's like, last couple of goalkeepers, they've all been tall. You, they, you, there's never been... You can't use height as an excuse against Courtois or against um, Kepa. And so to get someone like Mendy in, it's good to know that, OK, cool, height won't be the reason. And that, I mean, won't be the reason why, you know, the goal will go in. Like, maybe it's just his kind of skill. But I think um, with Kepa... The first Brighton game, so the preseason Brighton game. I did say our analysis is usually pretty in depth, especially compared to a lot of what we see online. The fact that Kepa has our standards so low that we're just happy that this goalkeeper is tall. Oh, that's what I'm look saying. What he's, look what his brother has done to us, man. Yeah. Look what he's done to us. It's bro. mad. It's literally mad. And I, it's, it's weird. I saw at the end of the game, I saw Kepa. You know when the manager comes on the pitch? So Lampard came in the pitch, obviously won, so he was going around shaking hands. And then Kepa almost came, like, uh, I think for some sort of reassurance to Lampard. Like, he tried to give him, like, uh, a dap or, like, a handshake. And then Lampard just brushed him aside. So, like, Kepa is firmly in the bin. Um, and it's like, I'm sure that they wanted to get the Mendy deal done in time for the Liverpool match because the past couple of games we played them, as I've kind of referenced before, Trent scored... Banger, Salah scored a banger, Henderson scored a banger, Daniel Starry scored a banger against Kepa. And so, like, long, 
like goals from around in like outside the box have become like a common theme. Like it's it's ridiculous. So yeah, I I don't know. I know I, I've watched some games in Liga, but I wouldn't say I'm a regular watcher. I can't tell you much about Mendy, but. Like everyone else is saying on social media, like it, it does kind of feel like anything's better than Kepa at this point because he's the bottom of most of these statistics. Oh, uh, uh, do you know what? Yeah, I I don't feel for Kepa per se. That's what I'm gonna say. But I do almost feel like um, it's so hard to judge keepers, and I I think of some of the goals that he's conceded, like the long range ones. Like I know there was a Daniel Sturridge one. Um, Trent scored yeah. two. Trent, Salah. Salah. Yeah, so, yeah, even, and, oh, that's just Liverpool we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the thing about the thing about it is that I don't even know mm. if there is poor on Kepa's part or if that's the true. players are just so confident um, that, you know, there's something in it if they take a high-risk shot that... Um, they take the shot and then it turns out to be a, a worldie. And I don't like the fact that they're confident shooting against him. Do you know what, Pels? I think you've just stumbled on the only metric that has not currently been used oh, to shut slander. Up, no, Wallahi, listen. I'm, I'm backing you because I'm saying, look, look, you just expect me to always be on your case, bro. You're going to be well embarrassed. No, because that, that was a chin-stroking dick. Nah, 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 nah. You're going to be well embarrassed when you hear what I have to say. You're going to have to write a touchline apology, head, headed letter and everything. Before. Listen. I'm saying if that metric is true, and I wish there was a stat nerd to find it out, but I doubt there is. If it turns out that actually teams take more long-distance shots against Chelsea than any other Premier League team, the only argument for that would be, fuck it, he might go in. Mm. Or fuck it, it's Kepa, as that famous viral video would suggest. And that would be the last nail in the coffin. That metric, no one's done that. I've seen them all with Kepa, bro. I've seen the post-shot XG. I've seen the save percentage. I've seen everything. I've seen the cross collection. I've seen everything. I've seen the historical goals conceded, the percentage of shots on target. You've just stumbled on the only one I haven't seen. If that is true, oh, my gosh, please, any stat nerd online, I beg you, please sort that out. Um, and, yeah, you say, listen, you say it's hard to judge keepers. It is, in a way. Uh, you could just go down the Gary Neville route of saying it's the near post, he should save it. It is more complicated <laughs> than that. None, none of us are um, keeper experts. But what I will say is Kepa has also just re- made us resort to that, that Torres time where, like, I remember I was arguing about the Zaha goal because, actually, that did swerve. And swerving shots can make good keepers look bad. But I was arguing about it for so long, for like three days after at work and stuff. And I was like, you know what? He's got to the Torres point where any any slim line of hope that you can even string out for a little bit will do just because we're so fucked with this deal. Listen, Edouard Mendy... uh, you are our only hope uh, for some competency at the back. Anyway, listen, moving on to Liverpool, um, as you've just attested, we are guaranteed at least one long-range uh, goal conceded. Um, Dan, you, at least six goal attempts. At least six <laughs> attempts, yeah. Um, uh, let's not give any free kicks away. Um, yeah, Dan, as you've alluded, I think it would be a... Like, someone else asked me this actually today because um, they read the article on Patreon, plug number two or three. Um and they were like, oh, that's interesting shape. Do you think he's going to go with that against Liverpool? Is Liverpool fan asking me. Mm-hmm. If he fucking dares to play the same way. Now, listen, you, this could be what he wants to do generally against the bottom 14 or anything. If the brother dares to play this way against Liverpool, we are going to get slapped. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can only hope he does just go... 4-3-3 with a bit of a set midfield, maybe a little flat three. Uh, I don't know how fit Kovacic is in, in that he missed out Brighton, but I think like a, uh, just a disciplined midfield in there would be good. Uh, Reese James again on the overlap would be something, even though he wasn't so much doing that on the on the last game. I think we're still without Chilwell. Pulisic has trained, but I don't know how ready Pulisic is to play. Ziyech is still out as far as I am aware. Surely we're not going to line up the same way and surely we have to treat this as just the Liverpool of last season and you know what, okay, we might be working on this new 4-2-2-2 press, but not today. So, I I was coming towards the back end of last season. Um, I was saying that I don't like playing a two in midfield against possession sides or against, yeah, so like 
Um, coming into Liverpool game, we was playing them. I think we went into that game with 3-4-3. That game ended 5-3. It was a bit of a chaotic game. Um, if we think back to last season, a lot of times we played Liverpool. Actually, it was touch and go. We was in control of, like, okay, we lost a lot of them. But we, no, we we've, even the 5-3, I think we've played Liverpool well in every right. game. But with the 5-3, it was more chaotic. So even though it was like still we played well, it was like, okay, cool. But we did, it was like 4-1 out of point or, or whatever it is, I can't remember. And I just feel like I, I was kind of campaigning that we should play a three in midfield. So like, obviously the Brighton game, we've played a two. Um, and, and I did say, like I said earlier, Lampard seemed to double down saying, yeah, this is going to be the formation going forward. I just feel like it might play on his mind because I think the first time I saw this experiment of this 4-2-2-2 was against Bayern Munich. And again, what I would say is in the first half, so this is the second leg in the Champions League, I say the first half when we played that formation, we couldn't control Bayern at all. Um, and in the second half when we switched to the 4-3-3, um, I think that again, we played better in the second half. So like, for me, I would say, I mean, you, you, you said two in midfield, not all twos are the same, right? And I guess a 3-4-3, three, three, you argue there is the support it, it, I don't think behind it. it. I, don't, I don't think it matters because even in the 3-4-3, three, three, yeah, you've got more kind of support in terms of counter-attacks, but I just feel like when you're playing against three in the middle against the two in the middle, especially in 3-4-3, three, three, um, because the wing-backs have other jobs, et cetera, et cetera, they do get overrun for me anyway. And I feel like, mm. um, yeah, so I feel like, I would feel most comfortable with a 4-3-3. However, um, if we are to play that kind of formation we played yesterday, I think when Barkley came on, um, we talked about in terms of how Loftus-Cheek, when he was playing, he didn't seem to kind of combine with the rest of the team. I, I, just, I definitely think um, just intrinsically, Barkley's better at that kind of bringing people together and kind of creating some sort of kind of connection in between the front players. So um, even though he's not a popular player, um, if we are going with that and we do have injuries and the fact that he had the good performance, I would like to see Barkley start. I and mean, that's not a popular opinion. But um, yeah, like with, with Liverpool, we've, we've been close. A lot of the games have been close. So it's, it's going to kind of rely on like um, Lampard's... Do you know what? The only time we won as well, it was the 4-3-3, it was the Carling Cup. I, mean, I know they, did, they had players out, but I think like... I don't know. I just feel like with the four three three, we stand our, our best chance. ZX yeah, out. Shout, shout out Billy Gilmore, man. Yeah, ZX out. Um, so a lot of people are gonna. Uh, I've seen the the backlash in terms of Havertz playing on the right. Um, so I know that people won't be happy with that. But yeah, I think that Havertz as well because he kind of struggled. It might make sense to kind of take him out. Um, of the limelight and kind of reintroduce him and play maybe a Hudson or Doyle or someone else. But um, yeah, 100% I'm with you in terms of we played really high against Brighton and Liverpool love space. And they're, work, they're, they're so much more fine-tuned than us because they haven't really made any more changes. So everybody knows what they're doing. Um, Salah and Mane are killers. And yeah, so I, I, at this point, it's looking like we're not ready. I think maybe that's one of the reasons why people were so sad with this Brighton game, knowing that we have Liverpool next. Yeah, um, it's a good point. Yeah. It's a good point. So, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, there is the caveat. We're without the players that we, uh, that we listed earlier. Um, look, I mean, we're definitely the outsiders for this. Pels, where do you think with the players available, Dan's already alluded to the 4 3 3 uh, being what he'd go for me it's just more about distances like it's height and stuff is one thing but it's just the 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 massive gaps that we had now I get why we had them all of that we were trying to entice little pressing traps and then get onto it because you know we were confident of nicking it off the Basuma and the uh, Alzate and those ball players um that's not going to happen against Liverpool. They're going to go right through us. So my thing is just more about the distances. But where can we actually hurt them at the moment with who is available? With Havertz, Hudson-Odoi, uh, maybe half-fit Pulisic and Averna. Um, uh, what's the chances in this game? They, I mean, listen, they just they they had a chaotic game against Leeds as well. Yeah. Uh, if not for Salah's two penalties and and uh, and Hattrick, you know, that wasn't a vintage start for them by any means. So. Um, What's your shout and how can we hurt them? Um, I feel like they seem, they've seemed a little bit soft. Like you see chinks in the armour um, 
in them now a lot more than we did, you know, I, I don't even want to say last year, but like kind of 18 months ago when they're in that kind of title form that, well, not quite title form, should I say, um, when they were kind of pushing City into like before lockdown, they were like proper, proper, proper imperious. Obviously, the Watford was like, the Watford game was a one-off, but they, for the majority of the game, it was it was just like, majority of the game, sorry, it was pretty scary to watch because you just felt like they were impenetrable. I've now kind of watched them against um, Arsenal. I've watched them against um, Leeds more recently. They oh, they had another game where they were proper dodgy. And I, I don't know if it was like a lockdown hangover um, that, that kind of, has played its part in that. I don't know, Conor Drake is another one. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think the, the defenders, 1v1, Trent and Gomez in that channel, just looks a little bit kind of nervy. I think um, Van Dijk of late has, a, has not, I don't want to say a shadow, but he's certainly kind of made more glaring errors than in, in the kind of last 12 months than in his first 12 months there. Um, so, so I think that even oh, and even in our game, sorry, the, the five three, their line was massive, was like so so high, sorry. And um, I think there's a there's a real opportunity for us to get at them in behind. But part of that is also down to where we are at different phases in the game. I think the four one at half time made it almost so gung ho, FM make free subs, change formation, attack mentality. Um, that it kind of it, it almost enabled us to play to play with no risk because we had nothing to lose. The context of this game is very different. Uh, I think this. When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before. We're hospital grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask, no Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doing our part. Super Cup games, um, Super Cup game, the Carling Cup game, those are real games to base this upon in terms of, I know you said we don't necessarily defend that well when it gets deeper, but I do think like the games against Liverpool and even the City game at the bridge, the way we set up, was really, really, really well structured, really well organised, and all the players were highly concentrated for the for the for the kind of ninety. And I do think it's going to take a little bit of that to to settle, grow into it, and then have you know people kind of breaking forward because Liverpool commit a lot of bodies forward, uh, and I just looking at them now, I do feel that they can kind of be got at, and there's. No, I don't know if Trent wants to see Werner 1v1 in, in the left channel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Jack Harrison has given him something. Dwight McNeil has been giving him something. You know, so I, don't want, like, I don't think Trent wants to see many people 1v1. Yeah, he's not... Mate, and, yeah. he, and the thing is, he looked like... He put his head down to run, but like he didn't change gears. He didn't get any quicker. So, like, he's, he's not the quickest player. And I think... Um, I think there's a real opportunity there. But it, it stems from the game plan in terms of... if if you know, they're they're already ahead early. They've you know they've tried that. You know, it's Kepa. If when once they've tried that, it's Kepa once or twice. It's gonna get a little bit nervy. You know, there's a crossbar in there. I can feel when it's gonna. There's no fans, but you know, people can get a bit nervous. So uh, I, I just hope that we negate that. And, and part of negating that is definitely down to kind of what um, Dan was saying with regards to the midfield. Because when we conceded that free kick, that wasn't a free kick at Anfield. The space that um, Mane kind of dribbled into, there was like one less player to cover because of the, like the distances, um, mm-hmm. because there was one less player in the central area. I remember Dan, Dan making a point on the pod, and I, and it's a really good point. So I, I don't see us going to a three-four-three, especially because like that game is like a highlight of chaos and poor defensive performance. I think mm-hmm. so. I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't expect Lampard to go with that. And yeah, I, I, I agree. To play how he played on Monday either. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I think it'll be interesting. Um, Thiago Silva has been training, like we say, and apparently this guy's like the fucking best conditioned athlete in the world, if you believe some of the leaked stories and little anecdotes about him. Doubt he'll be starting in terms of actually managing a back line, but it'd be nice to see him on the bench. Kovacic is back after suspension, so yeah, he'll be back after Brighton as well. I think that'll be uh, really key um, in midfield as well, just if we do throw a three in there. Um, Liverpool don't seem to ever have injuries, ever. Um, so uh, yeah, just, not, key ones. not not key, not key ones. Anyway. I'd, I'd like to see if they really, really you know, ever. Yeah. Um, what's also interesting. Um, so Giroud as well. I think um, again, back in the last season, he was good. Obviously, we haven't seen him yet, but he seems to do well against Van Dijk. And when Pels was talking about Werner uh, giving you know Trent a problem, it'll be good if they face that kind of double problem of pace mm. and strength. Do you know what I mean? Kind of yeah, I mean, I mean, I think like we said on the uh, preview podcast last week is 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 such an unknown without seeing any preseason. I think it's just going to be really fascinating over the first three to five weeks. Wasn't expecting that sort of let's call it a Leipzig press that we saw last last game. I wasn't expecting that, and and it was executed really well. Um, I think we'll probably see a completely different system on on uh, Sunday afternoon. Probably one we've seen before. Not wanting to mess too much, but with the sort of added extras of Werner and Havertz and the individual qualities they bring to it. So I think these next three, five weeks will be really interesting. I think it's tough to make any predictions on them, but the review of them will be, uh, will be, be really fun. Boys, that's, that's, that's time for tonight. Um, looking forward to Liverpool, even if it is uh, not us looking entirely competent right now. I think it should tell us a lot about, about what Lampard's planning to do in those big games and how he's going to use Havertz and Werner in those. So, um, so, yeah, a lot, a lot of interest on that game on Sunday. Uh, boys, as always, thanks for your time. Um, plenty to come, plenty to come throughout. Make sure everybody, if you are locked in, um, just as a last word, keep signing up to the Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Um Minimum of one bit of extra content. Every single fixture in the Premier League is going to have a tactical analysis after it this season as well. Uh, power rankings every four to five games are going to be uploaded after a little trial towards the end of last year. Looking forward to that, seeing objectively who is getting the most actions, points and etc. on the pitch and much, much more. So be sure to check out the Patreon. And yeah, this has been Chessy R, this has been Yassine, this has been Pels and this has been Dan. Peace out. Peace. I shot my shot, but I didn't have guap, so I hit the post. But next time it's a golden goal. It... Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Sports Social Podcast Network.